When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. If your workout includes baling hay and pitching pens, then you'll be comfortable right here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Good morning. Glad you're tuning in on a Monday. Nothing like coming off of a Packers win to start the week. I'm Stephanie Hoff, filling in for Farm Director Pam Yonke. Not a whole lot of action on the talk text line over the weekend. We did see some snow in the Madison area Saturday night, and it stuck around for a little while. And it looks like more snow is on the way tonight. For today, expect it to be cloudy in the Madison area with a high of 36 degrees. This evening, temps will drop to around 28, with snow showers developing after midnight. And it's a similar story for the Wisconsin Dells area as well. A meteorologist, Stu Muck, will join us with more forecast details in about 15 minutes. And stick around for our program with Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. John Lucy joins us from the Center for Dairy Research with a message about alternative dairy products. It's all right here. As a dairy farmer, you depend on your milk receiver pump. McFinn Technologies of Kenosha introduces the impressive Bowpeller pump. It's quieter, there's lower maintenance, as the seals last much longer than your old milk receiver pump. It offers a more powerful cleaning cycle with higher velocities, and it doesn't degrade the quality of your milk. Ask your dealer for the Bowpeller milk receiver pump, patented by McFenn Technologies, an American company committed to providing a better product for the dairy industry. Rhodes Warm and Serve Rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has the roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin. Then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today. Holiday season is upon us, and what better way to show off your creativity than taking those boring round rolls and creating fun, innovative shapes. Rhodes Bake and Serve invites you to participate in their Show Me Your Shape Roll Contest. To enter, submit a photo of a new shape for your dinner rolls, and you could take home a prize pack from Rhodes, including tickets to see Reba McIntyre. Entry deadline is November 18th. Full contest details can be found at MidwestFarmReport.com. Wide open green spaces, it what attracts a lot of us to rural Wisconsin. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. But I'll tell you what, over the course of time, agriculture's changed. Uh, fewer cows out on pasture, fewer pastures to pick from. But Bob, Wisconsin's making a concerted effort to try to maybe turn that trend around, aren't they? Wisconsin is making a major effort, Pam. You're exactly right. Bob Osel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn grazing very important we have an active grazing network across wisconsin and a program called the grasslands 2.0 project randy jackson originally from california is now the grassland ecology professor at uw madison and he was recently at one of those area grazing conferences talking about the importance of grazing where we've come to in this country as far as grasslands and traditional grasslands and uh, that Grasslands 2.0 project, what it is and what they're trying to do. Thanks, Bob. Uh, the Grassland 2.0 project is um, really an effort to 
understand what the impediments are to moving our livestock production in Wisconsin and the upper Midwest to a primarily grassland basis. We have sufficient data now over the, from over the decades and, and even centuries <laughs> indicating that we need to restore a significant amount of our grassland in order to have clean water, stable climate, biodiversity, all these good things that we want out of the landscape in addition to productive you know, milk and meat production. And uh, we can have those things. It's probably a little bit less productive to grow everything on grass, but at the same time, if we're getting all these other benefits, what are the opportunities to helping farmers provide all those benefits for us uh, while they're producing milk and meat? So that's really what we're doing. We're, we're trying to explore that space, and we're and we're doing that primarily by working with farmers and community members uh, to to explore like what would that look like. Now the project. Is this a university project, a, a DATCAP project, a USDA project, uh, all of the above? Well, it is a university project in that the university is leading it, but with a lot of partners from non-governmental organizations and governmental organizations. So the DATCAP and DNR are project partners, uh, along with other universities, uh, a lot of county-level uh, folks, land county uh, district uh, folks, water conservation district folks. But it is funded by the USDA in, in its current uh, incarnation. So we're always looking for more funding to keep going. And it, it was a five-year project. We're now just starting year four. So already we're starting to think about what's next. And as, as you talk to grazers in Wisconsin, you use the term function. And explain function and what that means as far as the grazing project and, and the situation we're in now, losing all the grasslands that we we had from centuries ago. When ecosystem ecologists talk about function, they're talking about how carbon cycles into, within, and out of an ecosystem, whether it's an agricultural system or a, a forest or a prairie, whatever it might be, uh, all ecosystems cycle carbon. They all cycle nitrogen. They all cycle phosphorus. And so the function is the way we talk about how, how well they do those things. So, for instance, we know that prairies built soil carbon. They built soil, and carbon was a significant part of that soil. And so when we talk about restoring ecosystem function of agriculture, we're really talking about finding agriculture that can build soil rather than erode it, rather than wear it away. As we look at where we've come to from where we were with the prairies and the grasslands of before, the challenge to feed the world is there, and it's, it's a challenge, as you said. It might be a, a little different, but uh, the result could be catastrophic if we lose all of our grasslands. It's a, it's a challenge. Yeah, and we have lost most of our original prairie grassland here in Wisconsin. There's less than half of 1% of it remaining. But the soil is still there, and that's the soil that we benefit from when we grow our agricultural crops. And I, all we're suggesting with Grassland 2.0, I say all we're suggesting, it's a, it's a huge transformation, I get it. But what we're suggesting is that we need to mine less of that soil. And in fact, we need systems that actually rebuild and put back uh, a significant amount of that soil as we're providing for our wants and needs. You mentioned feeding the world, and we don't feed the world now. That's not what we do in the upper Midwest, and that's not what we do in the U.S. The crops that we grow primarily 
feed livestock that are in confinement. And what we're suggesting is that rather than growing these crops in a way that fundamentally undermines water quality, air quality, climate, etc., biodiversity, rather than doing that so we can feed confined animals in the Great Plains, let's bring the animals back and let them graze themselves in ways that actually enhance our ecosystems. You say mining the soil. What we're doing is mining the soil now. What do you mean by that? What's going on? Well, it's pretty clear from lots of data that our annual grain crops, which we've bred and selected over the millennia to put most of their photosynthesis, most of their photosynthate, their energy above ground, that we're not giving back enough to the soil. And so what we're doing is mining the carbon and the nutrients that have accumulated in the soil. They're being liberated off to the atmosphere or into our waterways, but we're not replacing it. And so that, to me, is the definition of mining or extraction. And I don't mean that to say that anybody's doing that nefariously. They're not doing it on purpose. That's just the system we have. And that's a big part of what we're trying to change here is the narrative around what good farming means. To me, good farming starts with we replenish and build and regenerate the soil so that future generations can do the same things that we do today. Otherwise, we're just borrowing from the future when we extract more from the soil than we actually put back. A lot of effort now on uh, carbon sequestration. Even the administration in Washington has gotten involved in this. But is this kind of like a finger in the dike, so to speak? Well, I, I think that there is some, some great hope that building carbon or efforts to build carbon in soils to help stabilize the climate, which is what you're referring to, this so-called so climate smart ag, I think the data are, uh, I'm a little dubious about the opportunity to actually offset all the carbon that we're putting into the atmosphere through combustion of fossil fuels. But that's the auspices under which this whole thing is framed, that if we could just build enough carbon in the soil, we could keep burning fossil fuel the way we are, and we just can't. So we have to reduce fossil fuel combustion. In the meantime, the practices like perennial grassland and grazing, well-managed grazing, the practices that we think have our best chance of actually building carbon, it has all kinds of other benefits too. It helps hold on to nutrients, it cleans up our water, helps provide habitat for biodiversity. So I'm bullish about trying to help stabilize the climate with our ag systems. I don't know if it'll get us where we need to go in terms of the climate, but it'll have a lot of other co-benefits that we desperately need. But it can't happen overnight. We're talking a long time period because even guys that talk about uh, putting land in the in the uh, conservation reserve program, long-term conservation reserve program, 15, 20 years, the benefits of carbon sequestration, it's minimal. It is true that building carbon in the soil in a way that's going to help stabilize the climate is a long-term game. And so this is one of the reasons I'm a little dubious about you know, paying farmers to help stabilize the climate. Our data are pretty clear that uh, the longer a pasture has been a pasture, the more likely it is to have built carbon uh, significantly. And so figuring out policies and incentives to maintain a system over decades to hundreds of years, it seems a little dicey to me. But there are, like I say, there are other benefits that are more immediate that we should be fo focusing on, like uh, retaining nutrients to keep them out of our waterways. How do we start this conversation and, and get to farmers involved? Because, you know, there's pressure to raise corn, raise soybeans, uh, the economic returns. Are they really there? 
I think it's pretty clear that the economic returns aren't there for corn and soybeans on average over time. There are certainly boom years when farmers get paid uh, quite a bit for the grain that they produce. Most farmers that I talk to admit that they wish there was a different system, a new system, but they really are victims of the system. And they're doing their best to respond to the system, which I often say talk about as sort of the game that we've set up, we as society. We have to have federal and state and county level policies that incentivize a more diverse and a more perennial type of agriculture. And I think farmers are ready to go and flood into those types of farming systems if the right incentives are there. What kind of incentives would they be, would you like to see? I'd like to see a situation where farmers are getting paid not only for how much they produce but how much soil they retain how much carbon they might be able to accumulate how much biodiversity they support uh, how much nutrients they keep out of the waterways and for the kind of vitality that they help their local communities have you know one of the things that's been devastating about our current system is that it's driven this consolidation that has really undermined local community vitality and that's the social metrics of community health and vitality have to be part of that incentive equation in my mind and in the mind of a lot of people. So I guess what I'm suggesting is that we as a society have to figure out a way to take care of farmers to do the things that we need them to do. We desperately need them to do, but we can't just ask them to do that and not compensate them for it. And how are we going to get that done is a big question, but there's no question it's a challenge out there. Randy Jackson with us, and uh, Randy, as we said, uh, grassland ecology professor at UW-Madison working in the Grasslands 2.0 project talking to the Western Wisconsin Grazing Conference. I'm Bob Bosold. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. In the agricultural world, we have equipment to put the seed in the ground, take it all the way through its growing season, and put it in the bin. I would definitely recommend Ziegler. The equipment they sell and service is amazing. They care about you, they care about your businesses. They're there to help you, and that's their number one job. Whether you're a large farm, small farm, Ziegler has the equipment that's gonna take care of you and fit your needs, and the support and people to back it up. Reliability is everything, so that's why I choose Ziegler. For agriculture equipment, ZieglerAg.com. Some people say that at Wiffle's Hybrids, we march to the beat of our own drum. But we don't mind that one bit. Because if staying independent and U.S. farm family owned and focusing on corn and corn alone makes us different than other seed corn companies, well, we just don't know any other way to march. So make your choice and plant your independence. Plant Wiffles. In the field, the right partner can make all the difference. One that's dependable, straightforward, and is there when you need them. That's LG Seeds. From our hybrids and soybean varieties to our service and support, reliability is in everything we do. Start this season right with LG Seeds. Talk to your local dealer or visit lgseeds.com for more information. Rebath started decades ago by two gentlemen who created acrylic forms to cover existing bathtubs. Today, Rebath is a complete bath remodeling company. We replace existing fixtures and totally upgrade your bathroom. Free in-home consultation, free custom design, 
an affordable new bath in just days, not weeks. Visit our showroom on Stoughton Road or Rebath.com. Rebath, making it easy to love your bath. From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. It's time now for your Compere Financial Egg Weather Update with our egg meteorologist, Stu Muck. Stu, we know the snow is coming, but can you tell us how much we can expect to get? Well, let's tell you how it's going to play out, Stephanie. I mean, yes, we've all heard there's going to be some snow around this week. There's no doubt we'll see some. Radar already indicating some light snow in far northwest Wisconsin, eastern Minnesota, the southern part of the state, back into Iowa as well. That snow kind of uh, circling around a low-pressure system in the central U.S., that system going to reinforce around the Texas-Oklahoma panhandle today, and then move northeast, heading up toward uh, southeast Missouri, southern Illinois, over toward Ohio by the time we make our way on through Wednesday. What effect does that have in Wisconsin? Well, with the moist air around and the fact that colder air is going to move through and pull moisture out of the atmosphere, we have to talk about some snow, a little light snow around La Crosse or even Most, and yet by afternoon around toward evening, the rest of us seeing a bit of a snow chance overnight lasting on into the day Tuesday as that low gets as close as it will to southeast Wisconsin by late Tuesday and Tuesday night. That's the likelihood time of uh, more snow that may accumulate. I'm going to say for a lot of us, an inch or two could be about the entire show. I'll have forecast details right after this. Rhodes Warm and Serve Rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has the roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin, then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today. Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. As a proud sponsor of the WIAA, Rural Mutual roots for all of Wisconsin student-athletes. Whether they're a hometown hero or they dream of the national spotlight, sportsmanship keeps Wisconsin strong. Visit RuralMutual.com slash WIAA to learn more about how they support high school athletics. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Holiday season is upon us, and what better way to show off your creativity than taking those boring round rolls and creating fun, innovative shapes. Rhodes Bacon Serve invites you to participate in their Show Me Your Shape Roll Contest. To enter, submit a photo of a new shape for your dinner rolls, and you could take home a prize pack from Rhodes, including tickets to see Reba McIntyre. Entry deadline is November 18th. Full contest details can be found at MidwestFarmReport.com. All right, Stu, what else do we have in store for this week's forecast? Well, cloudy skies, cooler temperatures as well. That chance of a little snow this afternoon in western Wisconsin, more likely overnight for the rest of us. Temps in the upper 30s today. Winds become southeast at 5. The rest of the Compure Financial Ag Weather update, mostly cloudy, some light snow in the night. 
and I expect nighttime lows in the upper 20s. East winds at 5, mostly cloudy Tuesday, and that's when we get some snow, an inch or two, maybe heavier at Mauston, a little lighter at La Crosse, certainly lighter in eastern Wisconsin. Mid-30s tomorrow, northeast winds at 5 to 10, still mostly cloudy, a little snow early. Could even be a rain-snow mix Wednesday, but only mid-30s for highs, Stephanie. So we stay cooler than normal this week. Just make sure you stay bundled up. Excellent. Stu, we'll catch you back here again tomorrow. That's your Compere Financial Ag Weather Update. Compere Financial is your financial partner committed to agriculture and rural America. Visit Compere.com. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. When it comes to selecting your seed corn partner, we know you've got a choice to make. At Wiffle's Hybrids, we've made a choice too. A choice to remain independent. A choice to remain farm family owned. A choice to stay American. So, when it's time for you to make your choice, make a statement. Plant your independence. Plant Wiffles. While you spent a lot more time around your home the last couple of years, you may have noticed a few things you'd like to have spruced up. Sign up for W.E. Davies Handyman Membership, and they'll help you stay ahead of the maintenance and repairs with a professional result. Boycott putting things off. W.E. Davies & Sons Remodeling brings a fresh perspective to your building project. We're a local family business with services from handyman fixes to living space upgrades. For stunning, transformative results, visit wedaviesremodeling.com. never overpay for something if you knew you could get the product for much less elsewhere much like you wouldn't pay six dollars a gallon for gas if the pump down the street was charging the fair market price of four dollars would you so why pay more than msrp on your next chevy truck bergstrom chevrolet is a local family-owned company that values your dollar as much as you do so you never pay above manufacturer's suggested retail price and bergstrom has the inventory to fill your fleet or fix you up with the truck that's going to pull your toys so go ahead shop around and compare that final cost if the guys down the street are blowing smoke up your tailpipe jacking up the price on their chevy trucks stop by bergstrom chevrolet where you never get charged over msrp Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the Wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. This looks like a car. Has tires, headlights, a hood, windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them too. There's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% of the time, this would be a car, but it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, 
will provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank, your local independent bank. We're the premier provider of commercial, treasury, mortgage, and private banking services. Our team blends experience with the latest technology to make banking easier. We provide the advice and solutions you need. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. So I wanted to talk with you and your mom today, Lily, because some people at school have noticed changes going on with you, and we're concerned. Like what? Who? Some of your friends, teachers. It sounds like you've lost interest in a lot of things lately. You're hanging with new friends. So? So, individually, maybe those things are no big deal, but taken together, and then the incident the other day, you were with Derek when he was caught selling marijuana. Yeah, he was selling it. Honey, we know. But we care about you and, and want to know what's going on. That's right. We just want to understand better and see how we might help. And if weed is a part of it, we just want to make sure you understand the negative consequences for someone your age. The physical and mental health effects, poor decision making, and the confusing legal aspects these days. So what do you say? Can we talk? For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. All right, Zach, so what's going to happen between Wisconsin and Stanford? How much did we learn from Wisconsin's win uh, over uh, South Dakota, the Coyotes? Yeah, well, I mean, I think we'll probably learn a little bit more tonight. Uh, though, you know, I don't know how good Stanford's supposed to be this year, uh, looking at some of what they did in the opener against Pacific. They've got, they've got some scores, but I'm interested to see – you know, can Tyler Wall continue to do what he did the other night? I think he can. He's really? poised for a for a huge year. He's never he's never going to be a shooter, um, but what he was able to do from the free throw line was significant because I think he's got a chance to get to the free throw line a lot. The way that he bangs down low, and the way that teams are probably going to have to play him physically because he is pretty physical. Um, he went nine of ten from the free throw line. So anxious to see that. Anxious to see Chucky Hepburn see if he can continue it. He did in the second half against um, South Dakota. Got off to a little bit of a rough start. And then it's kind of a siege, right? Hell yeah. I mean, I is he going to create the starting lineup ever the, this year? Or is it, you know? Well, uh, I know I know you guys would like him to. I feel like he, I feel like he's good off the bench. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. I mean, if his, if his defense improves to the level that Wisconsin really requires, I could see it. I could see it. But... Um, you have to get him on the floor at some point. You have to get him some minutes because he can shoot lights out, right? I mean, he's very, very skilled in that respect, and we'll see. I don't know. I know Greg Gard obviously really wants to play him as much as he can, but it has, it has to be done on the defensive end first. Okay, how about, um, um, I mean, Klismet, the, guy, the transfer from what, what Wofford, he, I like his shot too. What's, uh, what uh, was the early vibes on um, Klismet? He, by, a lot of people just say he's the, he's the next Brad Davison or Josh Gosser or throw in white guy that plays tough and plays hard and plays defense and has a nice little shot from the outside. Like that's, I, that's the vibe. I mean, he's, he's the, he's the guy they've had a lot of those type of guys, Mike Bruiser, like go on down the line of guys that they've been able to throw out there that are tough and 
fight, and he does. He has a nice little shot. He went two for three from three uh, from yeah. three the other day. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a good mix. I'll say that they just don't have. I don't. It's a good mix. There's not like a. Is there a true guy to take over though? Like uh, you know, no. Gonna be, I mean, there's no Johnny. There was Johnny there's Davis. Davis. Ain't gonna be Jordan Davis. Like, is there a true yeah, there's, guy? There's to, no. There's no Johnny Davis. And 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 you know what? But is that a bad thing? It's not a good thing, but it's not a. I mean, it's not. It's not a horrible thing. Uh, there were times last year where he took over. I mean, he, for yeah, two, Indiana, Indiana game, like, right? He took over, um, and then there were other games where, you know, he really struggled to shoot the ball and yeah. it hurt him. But where they're going to miss him more, I think, and people probably overlooking it a little bit, is on the defensive end and the defensive rebounding. I mean, how many times could you? I, I can see it now just like a ball just floating up there and johnny davis comes in from nowhere and grabs it for a rebound like that's that is i think they're gonna miss that pretty significantly because i don't they don't certainly don't have that type of guy right now yeah so zach uh, before we talk wisconsin football i mean what's your expectations for uh watching and, and covering a game at american family field where the hell are you even sitting like where are you guys so there's a there's there's a normal press box which is behind home plate about yeah, behind home plate, and then they're like a ways away, right? Well, the uh, the field is on is in the infield, yeah, so it's yeah. not that far away. But yeah, it's not like right on top of it like you normally would be. And then there's gonna, be, I guess, there's some limited seating, courtside seating. Um, but <laughs> it's pretty I mean, if sparse. I put in if I put in a credential, <laughs> if I put in a credential for Nelly, uh, they're gonna go sit you up by Euchre. That's probably where. No, that's probably where we'd be sitting, but I put in a credential for myself, so I'll probably be in the regular press box. Well, they would sit rowdy in the free throw line, so you you sit right here, man, and show them how it's done, pre and post game. Well, right. And like have seventy percent court side uh, free throw line, like so you could you could you could uh, see exactly what uh, he could teach them exactly what yeah. it needs to look. The coaching like. moments. Yeah. Do you know if guards yeah. going to be honoring any coach tonight? Like, is he going to wear another out of Bo Ryan's <laughs> wardrobe? Because that red that red blazer was sick. He should honor Bob Euchre with some of the outfits that he oh, wore in like the seventies. <laughs> that would be amazing. That Agardo is very fashionable. I would love to see it like yeah. a plaid suit. Or, that would be or, sick. Or you honor the idea of managers dressing up in the uniforms, and so Gardo's wearing a Don't. A, a basketball uniform. A guy can only get so excited, Zach. I've been on this train for a long time. Just like in baseball, every coach or manager has to wear the uniform. Like I would love to see Mike McCarthy in like the Dallas Cowboys teal pants and shoulder, yeah. like the jersey shoulder pads, a helmet. That would be awesome. Because we know your barn smells like money. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. It comes up at my dinner table, and it's probably a conversation piece in your home too. Interest rates. They've been watched all year, especially the shorter-term loans that flash the largest increases. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report, here to break down what we're seeing today on interest rates and agricultural loans is Darla Sikora. She sits on the Wisconsin Bankers Association Ag Bankers Board. She is also a past chair of that board. It's the variable rate. It's the short-term rate loans. Those are the ones getting all the attention in the media. Those are the rates that have, have really sort of skyrocketed, I guess, in throughout 2022 and especially recently. The longer-term rates, five-year rates, 10-year rates, those have not gone up as much as the variable rate. And again, that's, that's not what everybody's hearing. They're, they're hearing what the media talks about all the time, which is that short-term rate. And those will be the rates that will affect operating loans, 
things along that line. We kind of, I think everybody's sort of seen this coming. And, and over the course of the last couple of years, when we really had historically low interest rates in agriculture, a lot of our customers got their rates locked in, which has been a great thing. And the reason that's really good is, is they're hopefully most of their borrowings are not even being impacted by the current rate increases because their rates are fixed. And our hope is that by the time those fixed rates are set to renew, hopefully the things have settled down in the economy and interest rates are are coming back down instead of this continual movement upward. And I'm wondering if that has influenced purchasing. What are you seeing your agricultural clients? What are they purchasing? What's trending? Every farm is different. Everybody's in a in a different place with where they are. I can tell you this. The the whole at least from what I see and I've been in ag banking for just over 20 years now. And when I started, when I started back in 2002, it seemed like everybody was in the modernization, expansion, just grow mode. That that was absolutely that was absolutely a thing. And I don't know, maybe eight, eight, nine, ten years ago, when some of the and we at our bank we finance a lot of dairy agriculture. That's that's the bulk of what we do. And when creameries started to get a lot more cautious on on buying milk. And all of a sudden, where where for years, producers could probably sell their milk to just about anybody out there, that changed. And it changed drastically, and it changed quickly. And so the the ability to market their product is, in from what I see again, really slowed down the, the continual increases in farm sizes and so on and so forth. And actually, in the last maybe five years, a goal of a lot of our producers has been to reduce debt, not necessarily to take on more debt. The, then, and we had tough years. In, in dairy ag from 2015 to 2019 were some really, really, really tough years. Very, very low margins. So everybody really just trying to figure out how to maybe uh, refocus on their business plan and to stay profitable to the best of their ability through those years of very low commodity prices, which is what we were facing. Today, milk prices, grain prices are higher, but input prices have gone up so very, very much. Earlier this year, I actually had a few producers saying, hey, we've, we've, uh, I have money in the checkbook. You know, do I pay my loans off early? Uh, what do I do with that? And our discussion at that time really was a little more of because we do not know what 2023 is going to is going to be. Um, maybe keep a little of that money on hand so it would prevent you from having to borrow money in 2023 when it looks like, of course, input costs are certainly not coming down or not coming down in any great amount or whatever. And then that keeps them from having to take on higher interest variable notes to be able to operate into 2023. As far as land purchases, equipment purchases, when they're there, each farm scrutinizes that to see if it, with equipment, occasionally, of course, things have to be replaced. Land, if if availability is such that it's in the area, price is reasonable, those things will be looked at. But it's, again, definitely a case-by-case, each farm in a different situation, trying to determine what makes the most sense for that 
for that particular farm. Darla Sakura along with us, giving us an idea of what's shaking right now with interest rates and agricultural lending. Darla sits on the Wisconsin Bankers Association's Ag Lending Board, and she's also the Senior Vice President of Ag Lending with Citizen State Bank of Loyal up in central Wisconsin. Hey, stay tuned for markets next. Rhodes Warm and Serve Rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has the roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin. Then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today. And now we'll take a look at our markets on a Monday morning. From Chicago, December corn is down three and three quarters at six fifty-four and a quarter. January beans are down twelve cents at fourteen thirty-eight. And December wheat is down three and three quarters at eight ten. Moving on to the fluid milk contracts, December milk is unchanged at twenty-one fifty-eight a hundredweight. January milk is also trading unchanged at twenty seventy-nine a hundredweight. On the close Friday, barrel cheese was up two and a quarter cents at two oh six and a quarter. The forty pound block cheese up six and a half at two twenty, and double A butter was unchanged from Thursday at two ninety and a half. We've got an update from the Center for Dairy Research next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle, and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. In the field, it's good to have a friend you can count on. One that's hardworking, trustworthy, and always shows up. Just like LG Seeds. Our corn hybrids and soybean varieties deliver consistent performance across all your acres, giving you reliable yield you can expect. Start this season right with LG Seeds. Talk to your local dealer or visit lgseeds.com for more information. Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the Wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. Experienced electricians come join our team. Here's Dan, a commercial journeyman forever ready electric. Family company, they take care of people, they take care of their workers. There's a lot of benefits to working forever ready, including the fact that when you work on your education, they do reimburse you for that time. They're very good about sick time and very good about family. Competitive wages, great atmosphere, great benefits. Apply at everreadyelectric.net. For all your electrical needs, we are ever ready. If you need to know about farming, then you need to know Pam Yonke. 
This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Our friends from Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin join us today. Now remember, Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin is driven entirely by our hardworking dairy farm families all across the state of Wisconsin, taking money out of their pockets to dedicate towards research, education, promotion, making sure that Wisconsin continues to be America's dairy land. And let's face it, the dairy industry never stops moving. We are always innovating at the farm. We're always innovating in the industry, always trying to provide what consumers are looking for. And with that thought in mind, today we're being joined by John Lucy. He's the director of the Center for Dairy Research on the UW-Madison campus. And remember, that Center for Dairy Research is funded in large part by Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin and our dairy checkoff dollars. So, John, just before we jump into some of the uh, big items that you're dealing with at the Dairy Center, maybe paint just a brief picture for people that aren't necessarily so aware of what the Center for Dairy Research does. Maybe tell them a little bit more about it. Thank you, Pam, and thank you for the opportunity for, for talking to you and to the farmer and the dairy community as well. Yes, we, with the, the CDR, the Center for Dairy Research, has been around since about 1986. As you mentioned, it is largely funded from the farmers, from the checkup program, and our goal is really to grow demand for dairy. Basically, that's our, our role. And we've done it over the years. Um, the center staff has been heavily involved in helping develop specialty cheeses here in Wisconsin. We created the Master Cheesemaker Program, for example. And we spend a lot of time working with our dairy plants and cheesemakers to train them and to help them develop products. That's basically what we're doing every day um, on behalf of our dairy farmers. And, and the goal is to really help them produce high quality and products as well as add value to their products. So we probably all heard the story about whey was fed to pigs or animals or spread in fields, and now it's a billion-dollar industry for, for, here, for, for our companies here in the U.S. That adds value back to the farmers. So we're always looking at that, whether it's new products or whether it's export opportunities. Our, our topic of today will be beverages, but we're always looking for new opportunities to really get, get get some innovation going in our industry. That's right. I, I consider them a think tank of great ideas, and that's exactly what they are. Now, John, you pointed to one of the big issues that makes makes our dairy fam, farmers absolutely crazy, and that is the non-dairy-based beverages that show up more and more at the grocery store, on the news, in the media. Tell me a little bit about what the Center for Dairy Research is doing, focused in on the dairy beverage category, and how we can continue to make inroads against the imitators. Yeah, a, a, just a couple of concrete examples of products that we've been in, involved in is, is something you, you probably are starting to see more and more pop up in our stores. It's, it's a product called Good Sport, and it actually comes from a coal product, what we call a coal product, or a side stream of making dairy products. And instead of just drying it or feeding it to animals, we are using that now and have worked with a new entrepreneur to launch a product that's going to be used as a recovery drink. So if you haven't seen it already, look out for it. It's called Good Sport. This is, this is trying to get us into what, what I would call kind of recovery, rather than just drinking bottled water, because bottled water actually is a larger competitor for dairy um, milk-type products um, out there with the consumers. We, we are all, um, I'm sure, aware and concerned about plant-based products, but actually, water is taking a greater share of drinking occasions away from us than, than milk. So this would be competing directly with those kind of recovery type of products as well. That's just one example. We do work with a lot of companies that are trying to reformulate products or launch new products, uh, milk-based products and milk-based beverage products. 
and and that's really what what we do every day and every week. And and they can be here in Wisconsin, but we also help um, companies across the U.S. as well. Sure, and I'm happy you brought up uh, the sports drink that you mentioned because uh, Michelle, the the mom that actually formulated the yeah. idea, is quite the lady herself. Now, do you ever yeah. think that dairy based drinks are going to replace fluid milk, though, John? I get your point about we don't even think about bottled water as a competitor, but we really have to look at the whole drain out there and what dairy's up against. What about dairy-based drinks replacing fluid milk? Yeah, and I, I, I would like to think that we had a, a family of drinks and beverage products is basically the way we should look at it. I think for, for, a, for the, in the, into the foreseeable future, the gallon jug will be a staple, and it is penetrates. If you look at that, it penetrates into a lot of U.S. households. It still does. We all know that overall per capita consumption of fluid milk, let's call it the gallon jug, is down. However, I think we should look inside those numbers a little bit. You know, if we have kids or teenagers or, or younger adults, a lot of them are drinking milk in non-traditional beverages. For example, what I mean, they're going to Dunkin' Donuts, they're going to McDonald's, they're going to Starbucks. And they're drinking a lot of milk-based products in their lattes and other kind of things. So they are consuming it, but maybe they're not consuming it in, in our, um, you know, our generation or our grandparents' generation type of products. But that still is milk with its nutrition. It's just a different form. So I, I, I think there is maybe a, a kind of a deeper look inside the overall per capita. It's probably not the traditional products. It's other products that are still there. I, I think that that's probably something we need to watch out for. I think overall, though, I think we are constrained a little bit in the traditional fluid milk by all kinds of standards and um, milk purchasing and pricing stuff that that was there for a reason. And I know it's there for a reason, but gosh, it's pretty hard when you're competing against very flexible plant-based companies that can really innovate very quickly and don't have to worry about some of those straight jackets of some of the standards and requirements and pricing rules. And I think the dairy industry has really got to think about and, and talk seriously about, is, is this really helping us? <laughs> because we need to step out and really compete on a playing field, um, on a, a level playing field for innovation. And, and my last comment on that is, I, that's why I think the, you know, the, the word beverage, you know, dairy beverage that you were mentioning, is, is a space that we've seen others get into, like Fairlife, and do a very successful job of it, of creating a dairy beverage that has lots of the dairy nutrition in there, higher pro- protein, mm-hmm. more calcium, less lactose. You know, and consumers, there's quite a lot of consumers that are interested in those products. And so do, do, I still think we will be producing fluid milk for a long time in a large amount of volume, but we should focus on value-added products too. I mean, we always hear about value-added, um, and and what the consumer wants, and if they want um, mm-hmm. products with higher protein, more calcium, and many other nutrients, we don't we don't just have to think about um, those components. Um, we should think about all the broad perspective components: milk with probiotics, or milk with other added flavors, shapes, and packaging. I think there's a lot of opportunity because for me, as a scientist and a person who worries about nutrition and watches that science field as well, we've got fantastic nutrition in dairy and milk products, and we can leverage that. That's a great um, foundation to be talking about. If we didn't have such a great foundation in terms of nutrition, it's much harder to branch out into these other kind of products 
and value-added opportunities. Yeah, you're right. Packaging can disguise an awful lot, but you're right. When it gets down to nutrition, you can't beat dairy. Again, John Lucy's along with us, director of the Center for Dairy Research on the UW-Madison campus, funded in large part by Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, our dairy farm families. Let's take that a step further, John. You mentioned about what people need to know when it comes to uh, consumption, nutrition, plant-based beverages versus dairy-based. Let's talk about that comparison and are we getting to it fast enough in the dairy industry? You mentioned Fairlife, who has been so innovative, but after that, it drops off considerably as far as dairy products you can cite that are in that competitive realm. Let's talk about the plant-based versus dairy consumption notes that you want, and then if we're getting into that space fast enough. Well, I don't think we're getting into the space fast enough. That's probably the short answer for you, Pam. Um, and I think one of the factors, I think, is, is our industry is, is, is very um, constrained by the rules around traditional milk, standard of identity, pasteurized milk ordinance. There's a whole a lot of regulations and restrictions and pricing and so on. I, I think that is a big holdup and is really holding back our industry. And, and it's slowly kind of dying, in a sense, while we're stuck with those things. Relative to the plant-based products, um, I would make a couple of observations uh, about the plant-based um, beverage products. Most of them have a lot more, a lot uh, more sugar, a lot more salt. And if you talk to any nutritionist, it doesn't have to be at the fat diet of the week. Nutritionists and people who are interested in, in our diets will say those are not good things to be having more sugar and more sodium for hypertension, etc. In those in those in our in our products. They also tend to be what I would call ultra-processed type of foods. There's a lot of ingredients that have to be added together, formulated in some way, and put together. It's not the natural product like milk. I mean, the cows produce the milk. We um, pasteurize it to kill some bad bugs, and then there you have it. You know, that's it. That's all the processing that's done to it. So I think, you know, when we think about the amount of processing and ingredients that need to go into to the plant-based products, it's very starkly different from, from um, uh, a dairy beverage like milk. The other thing I, w- I would say about, um, about too, is, is we, we need to understand, too, with dairy is getting hit a lot for sustainability kind of angle, and some of these uh, beverage products are talking about that they are much more sustainable. That's not actually true when you look at some of the data. So I think dairy should come out of kind of hiding around this and really talk this front and center because I think when you look at it, we're pretty comparable to most of the beverages and almonds is much higher climate footprint than dairy. Um, so I think we need to talk about it, not hide, hide from it as well. Both of us pretty passionate about this uh, situation with our dairy industry, like we said, powered in large part by Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. And they are the folks bringing you this conversation today. Again, don't forget, you want to find out about what's happening with Wisconsin Dairy? Do that, Wisconsin Dairy. 